we did begin a New Year's series last week through uh, what's called the Lord's Prayer or the, uh, the Motto Prayer. We're calling this series Every Day because I think as we live out the words of this prayer every day in our lives, we're going to be living with God and for God, and it's going to be a great year, no matter what circumstances the year may bring to us. When Jesus had got done praying, the Bible says one, one day that one of the disciples said, Lord, would you, would you teach us to pray like, like you pray? And I think he'd been waiting for that question. I think Jesus had been waiting for one of them to ask them, you know, this. He, he'd been modeling for them that life is to be lived in a way that it's marked by prayer. It's marked by our, our relationship with God. And so as he answers the prayer, then not, he doesn't really give us, you know, words that we are to recite in this prayer, what he really does is open up the door to how to live every day with God and how to live every day for God. And he provides that opportunity, not not just for the disciples that ask him that question, but for you and me as well. But I really think that for us to, to take him up on his words here, it begins by sincerely coming to the Lord with this same request. So I would encourage you just right where you are, just silently to sincerely and wholeheartedly make this same request before the Lord this morning. Jesus, teach me to pray. Because if you will live out the words that Jesus teaches us here, not just pray these words, but live these words, you, you will live the very best way that you can in 2020. Uh, these, th- these words are some of the greatest treasure that has ever been given. And so we began last week by by beginning to to get into this prayer and we saw that it begins right here. Not just praying, but living begins right here. Our Father. That God is our Father. That through Jesus Christ, we're able to have a a, a father-child relationship with Him. Our Father who is in the heavens, who's in the heavenly realms all around us, wherever we are this coming year. Our Father in the heavens. Hallowed be your name. We want to honor you. We, we, we love you. And that brings us then to the next part of the prayer where Jesus says, here then is how you pray. Our Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As we begin to think about what does it mean to, to pray and to live these words, I just want you to kind of think with me about things that people say that they don't really mean, you know. I think we've probably all done that. Remember when you were little? And you got really mad and you said, I hate you, you know, <laughs> maybe to a brother or sister, maybe even whispered it to mom or dad, you know, I hate you. You, you didn't really mean that, but you said it. Ladies, maybe, you know, you have a, a good friend who gets a new haircut and doesn't look particularly attractive, but you're like, oh, that looks so cute. That looks nice. You know, you just don't necessarily mean it, but you said it, you know. We've all just said things like this before. Then there's that classic line when somebody breaks up with somebody and they say to them, it's not you, it's me. Just once I wish they would say, "Uh, it's not me, it is you, you know. But uh, no, we we say, it's not you, it's me, you know. And we say these things that we don't really mean. And I think these words we're looking at this morning are easy to do in this way. To say these words but not really mean them, you know. What, What does it mean? To not just pray, but to live in a way that says, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It, it, it means this. It means, God, what you desire to have happen in my life, 
That is what I want. That every, everything I do and, and every way in which I live, that I, that I live in a way that all that you want done, all that you want to have happen in my life would happen. So often when I pray, really when I think about it, I'm, just, I'm asking God to do things in my life. And my prayer is off, too often is, is not, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven as much as it is my kingdom come. M- you know, my will be done on earth, then it will be heaven for me, you know. And I just, I'm just asking for God to do things in my life, and it's not wrong. I mean, the Bible does say make your request known to the Lord. But if we want to live lives that are with God and for God and empowered by God, it really does come from this prayer and living in a way that says, I want your kingdom to come, God, and your will to be done in my life. This part of the prayer is about lordship about saying, Jesus, you are my Lord, and I mean that. I'm not just saying that. I mean that. I want you to be the leader over every aspect of my life, every day and every way. Lordship is an everyday thing where where this prayer is on our lips and in our hearts every day. Your kingdom come, God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And one thing that this part of the prayer just kind of reminds us of is, you know what, God's will is not always done on this earth. And all all you need to do is look at the, you know, the daily news to see that is the case. But I think that's an important thing as we go into this year for us to just recognize, because this is going to be a reality for probably everybody in the room, that that in some way there's, there's something going on. Maybe you're, you're, you know, maybe something related to your health or something in your marriage or in your family or, or at work, and it's just so not what God would you know, want. It's not, it's not His perfect will for, for you. And maybe in 2020, there's, you know, there's gonna, you're going to have to live with pain or you're, you're going to have to live with some heartache or some, some frustration because you know, what's happening is, is just not what God's perfect will looks like. If, if you ever hear anybody say, you know, everything that happens in your life is somehow it's the will of God, I, I say, don't believe that. That's not true. Yes, God does work in the midst of all you know, our pain and struggles, working all things together for good as we seek Him, seek to live for Him. But not everything that happens in our lives is, is God's will. So much of the pain and suffering happening in this world is because God's will was not done. The vast majority of human suffering is because somebody somewhere did something that was not the will of God or did not do what God wanted done. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about what is the kingdom of God. I mean, if we're to pray, God, your kingdom come, what is God's kingdom what, what, what is the, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God? It's basically the realm in which whatever what God wants done gets done. Whatever God would want to have happen, that is what happens. Now, where does that occur all the time? Heaven. So when we pray this part of the prayer and we seek to live this part of the prayer, what we're saying is, God, bring heaven to earth. I want to be a part of that. I want to partner with you in that, God. I want to be about that work in my life this coming year, that I'm partnering with the Holy Spirit, with the working of your presence and power here upon this earth. Bring heaven to earth and let me be a part of that. Is that kind of life really possible for us to live here every day? 
This is part of the good news of Jesus Christ that he brought from heaven to earth as we learn about this in the scriptures. For instance, we read in Mark 1, 14 and 15, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come, has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, when he says the kingdom of God has come near, he's not saying it's getting very close. He's saying it is available. It is available to us. And we've already seen now one life that is lived in the kingdom of God here on this earth as Jesus lived his life before us. And then when he died on the cross to pay for our sins, he opened the door for every one of us to be able to live in the presence and power of God every day here on this earth. This is the incredible good news of Jesus. You talk about, we talk sometimes about the power of vision. Jesus cast a vision that is the ultimate, you know, vision of, of, of all times. And when people understood the vision that Jesus was casting, the, the life that he invited people to live, they gave themselves wholeheartedly to it. They surrendered for it. They, they, they sacrificed their, their possessions. They sacrificed their careers for it. And they did it joyfully. They did it laughing and weeping and, and dancing, just unable to believe their good fortune that the kingdom of God was open to them. That this is the message and the, and the, the, uh, the power that Jesus Christ has brought from heaven to earth, that we won't experience the kingdom of God in its fullness until he returns. But he invites us every day to pray and to live in a way that says, God, your kingdom come and your will be done. I want to be a part of that. And that brings me to something that is absolutely crucial to living this part of the prayer. It's understanding that this prayer is not so much about asking God to do something in our lives as it is asking God to help you and me do something. This prayer is about action. For example, let's say you're driving on Highway 7, you get in a wreck and you break your arm. Help's not yet arrived. I come driving by. I see you, you know, wave at you as I pray, God, your kingdom come in this situation right here, you know. What do you think God might say to that? might say funny Dave that's what I thought I was doing when I sent you by there you know see this part of the model prayer reminds us of an incredibly important reality God's will being done on the earth is deeply connected to the choices that you make and I make your choices and me and my choices and so when I say your kingdom come God your will be done and I mean it I'm asking God that you would help me to have the wisdom and the compassion and the courage and the faith and the obedience to do what you want me to do. And if we pray this way and we mean it and we live this way, it's a game changer. It'll just it'll change your 2020. It truly will. But I want you to be aware of this. This was the hardest prayer Jesus ever prayed. The night before he's arrested, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane 
And his human nature did not want to die. His human nature did not want to take the sins and the guilt of the world upon his shoulders and go through that, that pain and that suffering. And so he falls on his face. And the inner turmoil is so intense that he sweat dro- sweats drops of blood as he prays this kingdom prayer. We read about it in Mark 14, 36. Abba, Father. Oh, yes, this is where it begins, you see. This is where life begins right here. Father, Abba, Dad, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, Jesus prays. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And so through the blood and the sweat and the tears, Jesus prays, Father, if there's another way, I don't want to do this, you see. But then, when it came time to choose, he made the choice to say, your kingdom come, your will be done. And Jesus emerges from this prayer with a calm resolution to be obedient to the Father. And he faces the soldiers as they come to the garden with a, with a, a resolution and a, and a strength. There was not even a tremble in his voice and he, and he allows himself to be crucified without shouting out in protest. The scriptures say this, as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And victory was secured for all of us at the cross because of the choice Jesus made to pray and then to live these words, your will be done. And so part of what it means for you and me to pray this prayer and live this prayer is to say, God, I'm ready to endure whatever I need to endure for heaven to come to earth. In my life and through my actions, God, I'm, I'm committed to you. This is my desire. This is my choice. This is everyday lordship. And to live this way in 2020, which is the very best way that, that you and I can live, we've got to make two choices. It's going to require, first of all, the choice of submission, to submit ourselves to God. Pastor Chip Ingram had a lady write an email to him that I want to read to you. She wrote him, I was at the sink, the kitchen sink, doing the dishes, and that morning I woke up. I felt kind of distant from God. I'd been a Christian about 22 years, and for some reason I just, I thought about it, and I wondered if any friend described me, if they would even use the words good Christian or somebody who really loves God with my name. And she said, you know, I've tried and I've failed. I've tried and failed and tried and failed. I know I'm born again. I've been a Christian 22 years. I have an alcohol problem that I presently have right now. And I have an immorality problem and a porn problem. And I don't like me. And those thoughts, that guilt because of how I'm living, were popping up. And I'm doing the dishes. And the radio was on. And one of Chip Ingram's messages comes on, the one on surrender. And she writes... As I was doing the dishes, the tears just started streaming down my face. I'd never heard about that before. I'd never truly understood that before. She talks about drying her hands, going over to her bedroom, getting down on her knees, and just praying, Lord, I don't want to live this way. I surrender myself fully over to you. And she meant it. 
The rest of the email was, that was four and a half months ago. Let me tell you what God has been doing in my life then. And she, since then, and she writes about just the grace and power of God at work in her life. See, this choice of submission and surrender to God. This, is, this leads us into everyday lordship. I like this next verse here and in, in how it describes for us this choice. From Romans 12, 1, Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer, if you're following in your notes, circle that, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, circle that, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The word offer here in the New American Standard is, is present. This is a technical term. In the Old Testament, in the system of sacrifice, it was a word that represented this idea of presenting your offering on the altar. Included in the word was the idea that as you leave it there, it is now God's. It's no longer yours. You don't own it anymore. It does not come down off the altar. And Paul says this is what you are to do with your body to offer your body to God. Now, of course, inside your body is your mind and your heart and your soul. So you, you, you offer your entire life to God as a living sacrifice. This would have caught their attention in the first century as they knew about the old system of sacrifices and, and thought about it. I mean, because all the sacrifices were dead, you know. But a living one, see, would wrestle like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane with you know, coming down off the altar. And so part of what Paul is teaching us here is that the sacrifice of your life and my life to God is something that we do over and over. It happens every day in the morning. You just want to get up and you want to say, okay, God, I place my will, I place my schedule, I place my relationships and decisions, I place my, my words, I place my attitudes on the altar. These things are not mine anymore. I regard my life this day as a living sacrifice unto you. This is everyday lordship. It requires us to submit ourselves fully over to God. And then the second choice that leads us into this kind of life is it requires me to choose obedience to God then. I came across this prayer. Somebody wrote, I want to thank you, Lord, for being close to me so far this day. With your help, I haven't been impatient. I haven't lost my temper, been grumpy, judgmental, or envious of anyone. But I will be getting out of bed in a minute, and I think I'm really going to need your help then, God. So your kingdom come, your will be done, God. It's a, it's a, it's a prayer of obedience. N.T. Wright puts it this way. We are praying for the redemption of the world, for the radical defeat and uprooting of evil, and for heaven and earth to be married at last, for God to be all and in all. And if we pray this way, we must be prepared to live this way, you see. If we mean it, we say, I submit myself fully to you, God, and I make the choice to obey you in all aspects of my life. I'm not going to compartmentalize my life and have you be Lord over some areas and not over all areas. I choose to be obedient to you, God, in all things. Let me ask you, what would it mean to live in this way? where you are inviting the kingdom of God to come into your life here on this earth, 
in the midst of this broken kingdom of this earth that you wake up to every day? What, what would that be like for His will to be done in 2020? Let's just get real practical and, and talk about it in two big areas that you know, each of us have in our lives. Let's just talk about relationally. For the kingdom of God to come into your life relationally in 2020. Well, one thing that might happen would be a sense of conviction that if you are in a relationship that you shouldn't be in. A con conviction of, I need to change this relationship or stop this relationship. And so that's a real kingdom moment for you there on what will you choose to do. But we want to be praying, God, your will be done and my relationships with my kids, if you have children, and my marriage, if you're married with my co-workers and my friends and, and my church family here, God, help me relationally to be a kingdom kind of a person, to seek to be a servant, to seek to be an encourager, not a discourager, to just seek to build people up, to be that kind of a person relationally. And every time you get into a conflict with somebody, and you will at some point, in 2020, instead of wanting to gossip about that person, instead of wanting to get even with them, which is just kind of the way it works in the kingdom of this earth, you see, you choose instead to invite the kingdom of God to come and his will to be done by, by seeking to extend the same patience and mercy to this other person that God has shown you in Christ and, and to seek to, to reconcile and to seek to, to uh, extend uh, forgiveness and to humble yourself and love this person. And as you live in this way, you see, relationally, you are participating in the kingdom of God here on this earth. It's the best way. It's the best way to live. Let's think about another big area of life for all of us. That would be our financial realm, our financial world. What would it look like for the kingdom of God to come and his will to be done? in this area of your life. I don't know, maybe for you as you pray about it, it might involve some kind of serious sacrifice. Maybe, maybe for you it would involve a step of really education where you say, I'm gonna, we have a Sunday night group and a Tuesday night group that, that are meeting our small groups about just understanding, learning about you know, biblical principles for managing our financial resources and, and that would be God's will for you. But I'm confident if you seek God's kingdom with all of your heart regarding your financial resources that God has provided for you, it's going to lead you to action. It's going to lead you into generosity. Where every time you get a chunk of money, you say, I'm not just going to spend it all on myself, but I'm going to look to help the poor. I'm going to look to help those who, who uh, you know, are just in need of the necessities of life and, and those who are spiritually lost and try to help them come to know the good news that I've come to know through Jesus Christ. And you see, as you, as you live in this way then, in, in the financial decisions and actions that you take, you're participating in the kingdom of God here on this earth. As we obey God and we experience His kingdom more and more, who will we become?
what will we, what will we be like? I, you know, I don't have to guess about that or we don't have to wonder or speculate about that because Jesus comes right out and answers the question for us. One day his disciples come to him and say, Jesus, who's the greatest in your kingdom? Let me share with you what Jesus said from Matthew 18, 4. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so, the more and more you experience the kingdom of God in your life, the more humble you will become. It doesn't mean you think less of yourself. It just means you're thinking less about yourself because you're, you just focus more on uh, others. And as you live in this way, there will be more peace. There will be more contentment, more joy in your life. I want to talk about that in a second. But first, let's just identify, why does Jesus use the illustration of a child? in talking about the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. My guess is it's, it wasn't because children are perfectly humble. I don't know if you'd agree with me on that, but if, if you're around a child, I, I, I wouldn't say they're perfectly humble. I, I, I think he chose children here because in that society, they were the lowest rung on the ladder. They had no status. This is why the disciples blocked them when they tried to get to Jesus. These people aren't important, the disciples said to themselves, you see. And so what Jesus is teaching us here is that when, when a person is growing spiritually and they're maturing and God's kingdom is just being experienced more and more in their lives, that, that this whole idea of, of needing to be important, of wanting to kind of climb the, the ladder of notoriety and status, it's just not on their radar. That's just not, not, not who they are, you see. That's the things of, you know, the kingdom of the earth. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven are, are those who are looking to, to bring joy, to, to bring blessing, to bring growth to the people around them that are looking for other people to be you know, treated in a way where they feel like the guest of honor, especially those who might be lonely, those who might be feeling rejected, those who are you know, far from God and uh, His love and, and, and uh, goodness for their lives. This is what it means to participate in the kingdom of God here on this earth. Now, I want to I want to say to you, the clearer you get on what this life is like, the, the, the clearer your understanding of, you know, what it, what it is like to live in the kingdom of God here on this earth, the more you're going to want it, the more you're going to pray this prayer, the more you're going to pursue this prayer, this will be the focus of your life, this prayer. Paul describes what everyday life in the kingdom of God is like in Romans 14, 17. Let me read this to you. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's a matter of righteousness, which I just think of you know, right living, as I see that there, living the right way. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So to understand what Paul's saying here, first of all, it's just good to know that, understand that in the church in Rome, they were, had conflict over rules about eating and drinking that they were working through. And Paul's like, you're, you're getting distracted. That's not 
what the kingdom of God is about. It's not about do's and don'ts and, and rule keeping. The kingdom of God is marked by the kind of peace and joy and right living that comes when we are submissive to the Holy Spirit. We are seeking to be obedient to God in every way in our lives, you see. And He is empowering us in these ways. This is what marks everyday lordship, you see. Why wouldn't we want this? Let's just consider for a couple of minutes what it would be like to be in a community like this. Because we don't want just, just to be the target in our individual lives in 2020. Let's make this the target for BSCC in general as a church. To be in a community like this, first of all, where nobody ever puts anybody down, ever. And the only rumors or gossip that goes around in the community are about how somebody is better than you thought they were. They're even more loving, you see. They're even more kind than you thought they were. That kind of gossip, you know. And where people don't struggle with worry and anxiety and fear about things because they've, they've come to this place of embracing the security and the confidence that comes from knowing they're living their lives within the capable, caring hands of their Father in heaven. That kind of community. That's, that's peace, you see. And then joy that every encounter two people have in this community just brings them joy. And then even more joy the next time they have a chance to, to connect together, you see. This kind of community and overseeing this whole realm of peace and joy and right living is the Holy Spirit protecting and blessing and empowering this community of Christ followers as we live together in the kingdom of heaven here on this earth. What a beautiful picture. This is, this is real. This, this possibility is real for us. The kingdom of God has come. It exists right now here on this planet, right in the midst of the, of the kingdom of this fallen, broken earth. Now, next week as we continue in our you know, unpacking of this incredible treasure, we're going to learn about everyday dependence. As Jesus says, then this is how you pray. Give us this day our daily bread. And I do think he has a sequence. He has a, an order in which we are not just to pray, but really to live our lives. That it begins with our Father. Not me and Father, but us and Father. Our Father in the heavenlies all around us. I love you and honor you. I submit to your will. I invite your kingdom working into my life. I want to be obedient to you in every way. Then under that umbrella, give us this day our daily bread. This may be the most countercultural of all of the statements Jesus makes here for, for us today because our society is about self-sufficiency. Our society is about independence. 
What Jesus teaches us here and invites us into is a life of radical dependency upon God. And that's what we're going to learn about next week as we continue to look at this, this door that Jesus opens up to us in these 66 words of how do you live every day with and for God. But I want to close by just inviting you to pray today's part with me in some specific ways. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say an area of life, and if you mean it, I want you to say, your kingdom come, your will be done, okay? So here we go. We're going to start, you know, for all the single people in the room, Lord, in our dating lives and as singles, we pray. Thank you, John. <laughs> Let's try it again. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Here we go. For all the singles, in our, Lord, in our dating lives and as singles, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. For all the married people in the room, Lord, in our marriages, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. We mean that. For all the students in the room, Lord, at school and in our relationships, Lord, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. In our workplaces and in our neighborhoods, Lord, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. In our cities and in our towns, Lord, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. In our country and in our world, Lord, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. And most of all, in our hearts, in our minds, in the things that matter most to us, and in the way we live our lives every day, Lord, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. May it be so. May it be so for the glory of God.